This is Mission Sunday here at Mount Calvary. We're happy to have with us a missionary speaker, Brother Ed Scaff. Brother Scaff has been missionary to Japan, I believe he told me, for about 12 years now. And he'll be telling you something of his work and bringing us a message from the Word of God. So without further word, I know that you'll pray for him as he comes to bring to us the message, whatever the Lord has laid upon his heart. Brother Ed. Thank you, Brother Green. Minasama, Ohio, wishes to say good morning to each of you. It's a privilege to be here, but we're here for one purpose, and that is to magnify the Lord and to exalt his name together. We're not here to magnify the mission field of Japan above any other mission field because the world is the field. I've been preaching my risen Savior in the land of the rising sun for 12 years, but still, the world is the field. I'm a Baptist. I'm a Baptist by conviction and not convenience. I'm an independent Baptist by conviction and not convenience. I have been sent out to the land of the rising sun by the Rogers Baptist Church of Garland, Texas, USA. I have been called of the Holy Spirit and led of the Holy Spirit to preach the word of God in the land of the rising sun. We've been doing that for 12 years. We have one objective, and that is to preach the unsearchable riches of Jesus Christ with the desire that souls might be saved. And then disciples made, then these disciples baptized, and New Testament Baptist churches organized into what we say indigenous, meaning self-supporting and self-governing Baptist churches. We praise God. This has been accomplished in our particular mission field. The Rogers Baptist Church, I think, is a great church. We have sent out 13 missionaries around the world, and we support over 20 other missionaries with regular monthly support. Just for a moment, in a particular way, about the land of the rising sun, where we're preaching our risen Savior. Out in the vestibule, there's some printed literature that we'd like for you to have, and the purpose of this is to show you, by the means of the printed page, what God has done. Not what Ed Scalp has done. It's all what God has done. There's been many a great thing accomplished in Japan, not because of Ed Scalp, in spite of him many times, I'm afraid to say. But these printed pages will show you what God has done, what God is doing, and what God is going to do. And all we ask is that you take it and use it for the purpose that it was printed. We have one request. Children, please do not take this. The request is for this reason. Many children will take it and they'll put a mustache on me, and I don't look good with a mustache. And then sometimes they'll put one Mrs. Scout, and she surely doesn't look good with a mustache. What I'm saying is this costs money to print. And if you take it and you just look at it and you throw it away, you're really wasting 10 cents of the Lord's money. And we don't want you to do that. Now, we're not a beggar. We don't have to be. We know who Jesus Christ is. We know him to be the one that is the heir of all things. And I know him to be my Savior, and I'm a joint heir with him. So we're not here to beg you for money. We're just here to tell and to show you, by the means of the printed page, what God is doing in the land of Japan. So after the service, please, just the adults, take one of these, and you can see what God is doing. 
Now, we're here this morning to worship the Lord in spirit and truth. And so I ask each of you, you that have ears, hear ye the word of the Lord. Shall we pray? Our most gracious Heavenly Father, we come to thee again this morning, praising thy name for all of your blessings, most of all for thy great salvation. Thankful, Lord, for answered prayer. Now we come to thee again this morning, asking that as I stand in this sacred place, that thou wilt take and cleanse and mold and make this a vessel that thou can use. As your word goes forth, and as this congregation has gathered together, and as the people out in the highways and the hedges of Charleston, West Virginia, as they hear your word, I pray, Father, that thou wilt also cleanse and mold and make them a vessel clean to receive your word. And then, Father, as your word is sown, we pray that each of us might let it have its way, that its power might make us what we ought to be. God, we know that it's not your will that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. May it be so this morning in this congregation and in the highways and the hedges of Charleston, West Virginia, as this church launches out this coming week in a revival effort, we pray that countless thousands of souls in this area will come to know you as their personal Savior. Forgive us of our sins. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Take your Bibles and open it to the second book of Corinthians, if you will, please. As I said, I'm a Baptist by conviction and not convenience. As I entered the vestibule this morning of your great church, I picked up a pamphlet and it said, The Church That Jesus Built. Certainly Jesus did establish his church many, many years ago. And I praise God that he gave to that church a wonderful promise. He said that the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. But I'm afraid too many people today do not really know anything about the church that Jesus built. Not only that, they know very little about Jesus. Four years ago, I returned from the field of Japan, and God gave me a message that he would have the people in America to hear. Now remember, I am not an entertainer here this morning. I'm a God-called preacher. A preacher is a man that has been born again, and as he meditates day and night upon this blessed word, he receives a message from God, and then without fear or hesitation, he proclaims that message. I am not an entertainer. I'm a preacher of the glorious gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But I'm afraid today that so many churches around America are busy in the entertaining business rather than obeying Christ's command to make disciples. And so I'm concerned about this. But four years ago, God gave me a message that I call Seeds of National Decay. Four years ago, I noticed that America was in a condition of decay, moral, spiritual, and political decay. Now, as I have returned from the field of Japan, June the 12th of this year, I find that the result has been that people in America no longer know who Jesus is. And I'm concerned about that. 
And I want to tell you this morning who Jesus is. I want to encourage you to keep on keeping on for the faith once delivered unto the saints. Now take your Bibles in Corinthians, the second book, chapter 11. We find a great man of God speaking by the name of Paul. And I feel that Paul is speaking to this church at Corinth for the same reason that I'm speaking to you here this morning. I'm a Baptist missionary. I'm not a beggar. But we missionaries, we have our needs. And we depend upon God to supply our every need, just as Paul did. And I believe that Paul went out through the church at Antioch, and he was led by the Spirit of God, and he preached the Word of God upon his particular mission field, just as I do. But humanly speaking, his work depended upon churches such as this one at Corinth. And he was concerned about this church. And I am concerned about the churches here in America. And so for the same reason, I bring you this message this morning. And again I say, you that have ears, hear ye the word of the Lord. Listen to what Paul says in chapter 11, verses 1 through 4. Would to God you could bear with me a little in my folly, and indeed endure with me. Would to God that every one of you could come to the land of the rising sun and walk up and down the highways and the hedges of Japan and the East China Sea area with me. Would to God that you could do it, but you can't. For I am jealous over you with a godly jealousy, for I have espoused you to one husband that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. Paul was jealous of these churches, and I am jealous of the churches here in America that are standing for the faith once delivered unto the saints. As I made mention in the adult class, many times a missionary is put in the middle, so to speak, by a lot of churches here in America. And they think that he's a beggar. I'm not a beggar. Not only that, what I'm saying is, I think that if you support a missionary, that missionary ought to preach the same message that you preach. But on the other hand, if you support a missionary, you ought to support the missionary for what he is, and therefore you should preach the same message that that missionary preaches. So for this reason, I will not go into a church that I don't feel that I can compliment, because I think we should compliment each other. There's many a church that I could preach in, but I won't, because I believe that we should compliment each other. And the churches that make my work possible in Japan, I am jealous of them. I don't want the wolves to come in and to take them by surprise and take them in. I don't want that, and I'm jealous over them, just like Paul was jealous over his churches. Why? Verse 3. But I fear lest by any means, as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtility, so your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Verse 4. Listen to it. For if he that cometh preacheth, another Jesus, whom we have not preached, or if ye receive another spirit which ye have not received, or another gospel which ye have not accepted, ye might well bear with him. Did you know something? Paul in his day had the same problem that we have today. We have churches and preachers that are preaching this and other Jesus, this and other gospel, in this and other spirit. And so countless thousands and millions of people around America, they don't know who Jesus is. It's a terrible thing, and I'm concerned about it. 
a great Baptist by the name of Brother Boyce Taylor. Just recently I saw his tombstone in a cemetery in Murray, Kentucky. He was a great man of God. He was a Baptist by conviction. And on his tombstone, he has this written. The day he died, he lived 62 years. And then he has his name, Harvey Boyce Taylor. And then on the footstool of the tombstone, he simply has this. Jesus paid it all. We should know who Jesus is because he has paid it all. But did you know something? Today, some great evangelists are saying that Jesus Christ, my Savior, your Savior, if you'll let him be, they say that Jesus Christ was a hairy, black revolutionary. That's blasphemy, friends. My Bible says that Jesus Christ was the fairest of 10,000. My Bible says that Jesus Christ was the finest that heaven had to offer for the most vilest in all the world. But yet we have a black man by the name of Tom Skinner, and I name names when I preach. Your pastor said, Brother Scout, get in the pulpit and feel at home. I feel at home here this morning because as the choir sang, face to face, someday I'm going to stand face to face with my Savior, and I'll give an account to him but there's men today that are blasphemers that say that Jesus Christ was a hairy black revolutionary. He was not. But I'll tell you something else. As I travel up and down this land, and I travel many, many thousands of miles, I'll be in Cincinnati, Ohio to tonight, and then I'll be back here tomorrow and look out West Virginia. Many thousands of miles. But as I go up and down the highways of America, I find that a lot of people and a lot of so-called Baptist people are being taken in by this and other Jesus, with this and other gospel, in this and other spirit. And I say, without hesitation and without embarrassment, it's of the devil. It's blasphemy. But I'll tell you something. There's a freak movement that's going on today. And it's sweeping the United States, and it's even in Japan now. They call it the Jesus Movement. People of the Jesus people, they call them. I want to tell you something, though. If the Jesus of the Jesus Movement, if the Jesus of the Jesus people is indeed the Jesus of this Bible, every one of us should now, now, this very moment, without hesitation, leave this building lock the doors and join those people. We should do that. But on the other hand, if the Jesus of the Jesus people and if the Jesus of the Jesus movement is false, and it is, if he is a fraud, and he is, we should, as born-again children of God, without fear and without hesitation, proclaim him to be such. But we have so many Baptists and we have so many fundamentalists today, and I want you to know something. I want you to know what I believe. In the term of the word fundamentalist, I am not a fundamentalist. I'm a Baptist. Today we have so many fundamentalist churches. They're in the entertaining business. If you're not an ex-entertainer, 
or next wrestler, next movie star. You don't preach in their pulpit. That's right. It's a downright shame. I'm not a fundamentalist. I'm a preacher of the blessed word of God, a Baptist preacher. I don't have time to say everything that I would like to say, but just one example to these people that say Jesus was a hairy revolutionary. It breaks my heart and it makes me mad. I get irritated at it. Never, never from the lips of my Savior was there a word of rebuke for the social injustices of his day. Jesus came not into the world to condemn the world, but he came into the world to save the world. He didn't go up and down the highways and the hedges of his day and cry out against the social injustices. He went up and down the highways and the hedges and he said, Repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. But not only Christ did that, a lot of good, sound Baptist preachers did it. But it cost one of them his head. There was a great man by the name of John the Baptist. This man was the forerunner of Christ. And as he went up and down the highways and the hedges, he said, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is hand. The same message that his Savior preached. But one day, there was a man by the name of Herod. He was a ruler, and he wanted to marry a harlot. She had a beautiful daughter, and they were having a grace feast. And John had preached against this thing. He said, Herod, it's wrong for you to be married and divorced. And Herod didn't like that, and he put John in prison in the dungeon. And here's the picture. John the Baptist a preacher of the gospel is in a dungeon. And here, the rulers of that day are having a great feast. And a beautiful young lady is dancing for this ruler. And sitting beside him is the harlot, the girl's mother. And the old man, morally, spiritually decayed, was so thrilled by the beautiful young lady that he said, I'll give you anything you ask for. You know the story. The mother got to the daughter and said, listen, ask him for John the Baptist's head. And she did. And Herod didn't want to do it. But he sent his soldiers. And the great man of God, John the Baptist, was beheaded because he would not compromise the blessed word of God. But let me ask you something. If, if Jesus Christ was a social reformer, if he was a hairy black revolutionary, would not he have been at the gates of Herod? Would he not have been there and cried out, No, no, it's unjust to take John's head. It's not right. It's wrong. Don't you do it. And his followers would have been there with him. But he was not there. None of the followers were there. You know why? Because God had a purpose, an eternal purpose for John the Baptist. So never from his lips was there a word against the social injustices of his day. 
And so that's why never do I stand in the pulpit and play on people's sympathy. I don't have to. My father owns a cattle on a thousand hills, and I know in whom I have believed. He's my Savior. And I don't have to beg people for support. We need it, yes, but God will speak to your heart. I don't have to tell you too much about it. If we have the witness of the Spirit, His Spirit will be in my heart, and His Spirit will be in your heart, and He'll speak to you, and He'll supply our every need. But no, friends, Jesus was enough a black, hairy revolutionary. But that's the negative side of it. I want to encourage you this morning. I want to tell you who Jesus is. Take your Bibles quickly and look to the book of Hebrews, chapter 1. And again we find a great man of God by the name of Paul speaking again. And he's writing another letter. And this time he's writing it to the church at Rome. Now, the church at Rome was made up of a group of people, of Jewish Christians, who had turned from Judaism to the cause of Christ. But because of their turning from Judaism to Christ, they suffered many a trial and many a persecution. And human as they were, they were prone, because of their trial and because of their persecution, they were prone to want to go back into their old way of life. And I'll tell you something, the 12 years that we've been in Japan, we've buried our dead there. The Lord has saw fit to take some of our children. We buried them on a hillside. And I'm saying this not to get your sympathy, just saying it to tell you that it's a fact. We have many trials and tribulations. All of us do. It's no different in America. If you live for Christ in America, you're going to have your trials. and You're going to have your tribulations. It's no different here. Certainly the conditions and circumstances that we find ourselves in Japan and in America are different. But let the devil is the same around the world. And there's been many a time in Japan that Mrs. Scalf and I, and Mrs. Scalf is back in Japan. She only stayed here two months. Her and our two oldest boys are back in Japan. Been there a month. And I'm looking forward to returning soon, just as soon as I can get the needed support that I need to return. But there's been many a time during these 12 years that Mrs. Scalp and I have cried and prayed and quit. We're going home. These people don't want to hear the gospel. We're going home. But after we've prayed and read the Bible, God has spoken to our hearts. We've stayed another day, two days, two weeks, two months, and now it's been 12 years. Because we know who Jesus is, and we know that he has paid it all. Paul wrote this book to the church at Rome for the purpose of encouraging the Jewish Christians to keep on keeping on for the cause of Christ. And I want to tell you who Jesus is this morning so that you might be able to keep on keeping on for the cause of Christ here in America. Because I know, just as Paul knew, that if you fall, I fall. Humanly speaking, my labors in Japan depend on people and churches like you here in America. So I want to encourage you in these last days, in these perilous days, that you might keep on keeping on. And I believe, as I have faced my ministry on these few simple facts, I believe that if you know who Jesus is, I believe that it will encourage you to keep on keeping on. Verse 1. 
God who at sundry times and in divers manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets. You know, I believe in education. We have a Bible institute in Japan. It's on a seminary level. We teach Greek, Hebrew, textual criticism. We believe in an education. I have a little bit of it. But you know, today we have preachers that have so many degrees, but yet they know very little about the Word of God. Verse 1 simply means that in the olden days, in various ways, in various manners, God spake to his people by the prophet. It simply means that. Verse 2, and this is very important. Listen to it. Hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son. Now, I want to teach you a little bit of theology this morning because I think this is why so many people are being taken in by this and other Jesus with this and other gospel. They need to learn this. Take your Bibles and open it to the Gospel of John. People say, well, how? How is God speaking to us in this last day by his Son? Simply in this way. John, the Gospel of John, chapter 1. Verses 1, 2, 3, and the first part of verse 14, due to the lack of time. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Verse 14, listen to it. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Now my mind cannot comprehend the depth of this teaching here. But I believe it with all my heart. I believe that it's teaching this. This morning, you that are out in the highways and the hedges of Charleston, West Virginia, that have your Bible in your hand, you have in your hand the written Word of God. If you don't believe that, you might as well quit. This morning, we have in our hands the written Word of God. But the Bible teaches this morning on the right hand of the true and living God, we have Jesus Christ. He's the living Word of God. But I say to you this morning, although I don't fully understand it, but I believe it with all my heart, I say that this written Word and that living Word are synonymous. They're one and the same. So how is God speaking to us? By and through this Word of God. That's how He's speaking to us. And do you know what? If you neglect this written word, you in essence are neglecting the living word. Amen. This is why so many people are being taken in by this and other Jesus with this and other gospel. God help us, Americans, to turn to the word of God and not depend on the liberal and the modernistic educated men. Let us humbly turn to the word of God and let God speak to us in these last days. And anybody with any heavenly sense at all knows that we're in these last days. Paul said, this all, know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. And you read the scripture in Timothy and you'll find that that's not talking to or about. Lost people, it's talking about professing Christendom. They shall be lovers of their own selves, covenants, proud, boasters, blasphemers, ever learning but never able to come to the knowledge of truth. Yes, we're in the last days. And God is speaking to us by his word. Let me tell you who Jesus is quickly. 
second verse. Hath in these last days spoken unto us by his son, listen, whom he hath appointed heir of all things. Who is Jesus? He is the one that has been appointed heir of all things. Certainly that should encourage you to know that your Savior, Jesus Christ, has been appointed heir of all things. Isn't that wonderful to know that? Wonderful to know that Jesus Christ is the heir of all things. But I'll tell you something else that is much more precious to me. It's to know that I am a joint heir with him. Look in Romans 8 and 17. What a wonderful teaching. But you know, so many people are scared to death of the doctrine of grace and the doctrine of repentance and faith in Christ. They're so afraid of righteousness and holiness because of what people might say or what they might think. Some say that I'm a hard shell. Some say that I am a holy roller. I believe in the doctrine of election, but I'm not a hard shell. I believe in righteousness and holy living, but I'm not a holy roller. I'm a Baptist preacher. The Bible teaches both. But you know the problem is, the first three words in verse 17 of chapter 8 of the book of Romans. Listen to what it says. And if children, if children, simply means if you are a child of God. That's what it means. If children, then heirs. Heirs of God. Isn't that wonderful? Heirs of God. And joint heirs with Christ. Oh, that's wonderful. But all of you are saying now, amen, and you're smiling, and we're happy. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't it? It's wonderful to know in whom you have believed, and to know that you're a joint heir with him. But listen, we must read the rest of the scripture. Too many times we're prone to forget about it. And that's why here in America, with all of the shag rugs, and all of the carpet churches. Don't misunderstand me. It's wonderful to have that. But listen, too many times we're prone to forget about the last part of that verse. And so therefore, consequently, we have churches filled to the brim, a bunch of decisions, a bunch of savorless saints, a bunch of panty-waist Christians, because they don't read the last part of verse 17. They rejoice, hallelujah, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. I'm an heir of God. I'm a joint heir with Christ. But they don't read the last part. Right. Listen to what it says. If so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. Yeah. Listen. If we're a joint heir with Christ, we're expected to suffer with him. I'm a child of his. And when it comes time to walk in the valley, we're to walk. And when it comes time to stand on the mountaintop, we're to stand because we're a joint heir with him. Wonderful friends. Do you know who Jesus is? As I look at the clock, it says I have about five minutes. To you that are out in Radio Land in Charleston, West Virginia, will you please even though we'll continue a little longer here in the church, will you 
search your scriptures? What do you truly come to know who Jesus is? Will you come to know him as the heir of all things? Realize that if you're saved, you're a joint heir with him. But yet, in these last days, you are going to be called upon to suffer for him. Will you? Will you suffer for him? Here's the reason why you should. Verse 18, listen. And this is mountain talk. Listen to it. For I reckon. How many times have you heard that terminology? For I reckon. I reckon it so. Yes. For I reckon. Listen. That the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. Isn't that wonderful? You that are here this morning in the congregation, you that are out in the highways and the hedges of Charleston, West Virginia, know who Jesus is. As this program goes off the air, will you just search your scriptures today? Know in whom you have believed. And then this coming week, come to the revival of Mount Calvary. Baptist Church. And as we continue in the congregation, Jesus is the heir of all things. Also, verse 2, Hebrews 1 again, please. By whom also he made the worlds. This scripture says that he is the creator of all things. He's the heir of all things. He's the creator of all things. Verse 3, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person. This is, doesn't sound like it means to say that Christ was a hairy black revolutionary, does it? No, it says that he was the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person. I say that if Jesus Christ was a hairy black revolutionary, God was also. Isn't that right? But my Bible doesn't teach no such thing. My Bible says in verse 3 that Jesus Christ was the brightness of his glory and the express image of God. That's who Jesus is. Continuing verse 3, and upholding all things. What does this mean? This means that Jesus Christ is the upholder of all things. That's who Jesus is. He's the upholder of all things. Twenty-eight some odd years ago, a group of nations organized what they call the United Nations. They're not united. They've been divided ever since they started. But I'll tell you something else, American people. Don't you depend on those bunch of fools up there. You say, Brother Scout, why would you say something like that? Because the Bible says that people who deny that there is a God is a fool. And for making that statement, I have been stopped in several pulpits. But God help us. Don't you depend on the United Nations to bring peace. You depend on the Savior of the world, Jesus Christ. When he comes and sets his foot on Mount Olive, then peace will come, and he'll rule with an iron fist. Don't you depend on the United Nations. You depend on the blessed Word of God. You depend upon the upholder of all things, Jesus Christ. That's who Jesus is. He's the upholder of all things. Oh, let the Spirit speak to your heart this morning. Let the Word of God have its way, that its power might make you what you ought to be. Listen to verse 3 again. Upholding all things by the Word of His power. How is He doing it, friends? 
Is he doing it through the United Nations? Is he doing it through Nixon? McGovern? No. He's doing it the same way he created it. He said, let there be light, and there was light. Let there be a moon, and there was a moon. How's he upholding it? By the word of his power. By this word, friends. By this word. That's how he's upholding this world. That's how he's controlling it, this universe. By this word. Lastly, oh, isn't it wonderful? Hallelujah! Wonderful. He's the heir of all things, the creator of all things, the upholder of all things. And last, listen to it, verse 3. When he had by himself, and this is a wonderful Baptist doctrine, when he had by himself, he didn't need any help. When he had by himself purged our sins. Who is Jesus? He's the one who has purged our sins. That's who Jesus is. In the original language, it simply means he who has made purification for our sins. That's who Jesus is. He's the heir of all things, the creator of all things the upholder of all things. He's the one who has purged our sins. And then lastly, look at it, verse 3, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. Who is Jesus? He's the one that is sitting down. The almighty, sovereign, omnipotent, omniscient Savior of the world. That's who Jesus is, and he's sitting down. He's not running up and down the highways and the hedges. He doesn't have to. You know why? Do you know why he's sitting down? you know why he's not some black, hairy revolutionary running up and down and crying out against the social injustices? Why is he sitting down? Because his work is finished. Finished at Calvary. That's who Jesus is. Do you know him? Do you know him as such? He's sitting there, and he's sovereign. He's omniscient. And he's waiting for you as the Spirit of God speaks to your heart. As you call upon him, you can be saved this morning. That's who Jesus is, friends. It's a privilege to have been with you. But you know, this missionary has no special power. This missionary is just a man that has been saved by grace. 1957, February the 24th, at about 12 o'clock. I have no special power, but God gave me a message, and I preached it, and you heard it. Let it have its way in your life. As you've heard the Word of God this morning, let it have its way, that its power might make you what you ought to be. Let His blood cleanse your heart make you free. Let his love fill your soul that you may see it's best for him to have his way with thee. Would you bow your heads, please? I'd like to use the invitation song, page 122, if possible, please. You know, I'm not an entertainer. I haven't entertained you this morning, but I have given you what I feel God would have you to hear. Now as I stand in this sacred place and as the power of the Holy Spirit is upon this congregation and as the Spirit of God takes his word and speaks to your heart, 
We only ask you to let him have his way. We've got a lot of preachers today that say, stand up, sit down, raise your hand, turn around, do this, do that. And I'll tell you honestly, in the invitations that are given in most of the churches today, if everyone didn't come forward every Sunday, they'd be the biggest liars they ever lived. You know what? And I don't like that. All I am is a preacher of the gospel and a representative of God. I don't say people can't. Power of God. The gospel of God is the power of God unto salvation. Will it be so this morning with you? We're going to have a word of prayer, then we're going to stand. And please, children, stand reverently. Adults, stand reverently. Don't think about the time nor the hour. In a minute, 78 seconds. Every 78 seconds, a soul goes out into eternity. In my particular field of service, every 35 seconds, a soul goes out into eternity. Oh, what a tremendous responsibility we have. Hear ye the word of the Lord. Our most gracious Heavenly Father, we thank thee now for this another privilege that thou hast given to be a witness for you. Father, we're grateful that we can be a witness in Japan, in America, wherever we might be. And now is your word has been sown, we pray that it might bring forth fruit, meat for repentance. The ones that are here that are not saved, we pray that they will, without hesitation and without embarrassment, as we sing this invitation song, come and trust you as their Savior. The ones that are saved, Father, and maybe they don't have a church home, we pray, Father, that they might see their need of coming into your church, and as the brother taught in the adult class, Father, they cannot have the power of the witness of the Spirit unless they are a member of your church. We pray that it might be so. Whatever way this church receives members, may they come. Most of all, Father, the ones that are saved, that are members of this church, as they think about the coming revival, may they be encouraged to go out on the highways and the hedges telling people who Jesus is. Countless thousands know not who he is in this area. We pray as these modernistic churches, these liberal churches, and some of these so-called fundamental churches deceive people with this and other Jesus, with this and other gospel. We pray that that will bless this coming week of revival that this church is endeavoring to carry out for your glory. Bless, Father, in this invitation, and we'll give thee all the praise. In Jesus' name we pray.